Financial Grown-Up bonus episode with guest co-host Stephanie O'Connell. You're listening to Financial Grown-Up with me, certified financial planner, Bobby Rebel, author of How to Be a Financial Grown-Up. And you know what? Being a grown-up is really hard, especially when it comes to money. But it's okay. We're going to get there together. We got this. Hey, Financial Grown-Up friends. Very excited about this bonus episode because I have with me an awesome guest co-host, millennial personal finance author, speaker, and entrepreneur, and most importantly, my friend, Stephanie O'Connell. Hey, Bobby. Thanks for having me. By the way, my friends, if you are looking for what we now call classic episodes, they now drop on Mondays and Thursdays. And of course, DM me if you want suggestions on episodes of specific topics and I can steer you in the right direction on Instagram at BobbyRebel1 and on Twitter at BobbyRebel. All right, let's get started with Stephanie. I recruited her to be here because Stephanie was actually the inspiration for the most recent bonus episode about meeting deadlines for wellness benefits. And that got an incredible response. She has a fantastic Instagram and on it, and this is what inspired the episode, everyone, she was reminding us that we shouldn't just have New Year's resolutions. We need to have pre-New Year's resolutions to get stuff done before the end of the year. And of course, that was something, getting my corporate wellness money from my husband's job before the deadline passed, which was not an obvious deadline. If you want to check out that episode, that was really important. And you guys loved that episode. So I thought, why not bring on Stephanie and get more pre-New Year's resolutions? We're also, by the way, going to hold Stephanie afterwards and do a listener question about getting lower interest rates on credit cards. But let's get to Stephanie. So Stephanie, that was a great teaser on your Instagram. Tell us a little bit more about what we should be doing before New Year's. You know, I don't think we tend to think of the last three months of the year as a time to really make progress towards our goal. But the reality is that the last three months aren't really different from the first three months of the year um, in terms of what we're capable of accomplishing during a certain period of time. There can actually be some resolutions in which the last three months might even be more helpful to help you achieve your goals, especially when it comes to, as you said, maximizing things like employer benefits that might have a deadline before the end of the year. Or for example, if you had a change in your marital status and you need to update it for the following tax year, those are things that you want to get done before you start kind of thinking ahead to what's on your plate for the next year. Personally, you know, one of the big things for me is using the end of the year to light a bit of a fire under me to achieve the savings goals that I might have lost track of during the summer when I was on vacation, kind of partying it up a little bit. Now, (laughs) all of a sudden, it's really you know, for me to break down those big goals for the last, what we got about nine, 10 weeks left in the year, maybe not even, and break down what those goals are going to be on a weekly basis to really make sure I'm focused on hitting those targets before January rolls around so that I don't feel like, oh, well, I just didn't make any progress come the new year. Do you go back to the beginning of the year or look at those New Year's resolutions from January of 2018 and then say, okay, maybe some of them, I'm just going to own up to the fact that maybe that wasn't something that I was committed enough to and let it drop. And some of them say, I was committed, but I fell off the wagon and I'm going to get on it now. 
and not wait. Because it's tempting, honestly, to just say, well, I'm going to keep it sliding because what's the lost time and do it in January. In other words, how do you motivate to get that happening? Yeah. So on the one hand, yeah, it's good to look back at the January resolutions and be like, is there any part of this that I can still make progress on and not to beat yourself up and kind of just give up on the resolution altogether if it's something that you're just, there's no way you're going to hit. So, you know, if your goal is to save $10,000 and you've saved a thousand, you probably aren't going to be able to make up that much of a difference in the last few weeks of the year. But only if you save an extra thousand dollars, at least you'll be a thousand dollars closer. You know, so I think this idea of kind of revisiting the old resolutions and understanding that progress, not perfection, is the real goal, and that you can still make significant progress in two months' time. That is a, a fairly big chunk of time to bring yourself closer than you were January of this year to achieving that goal. And then the other thing is to take into account new life events, right? So your life probably looks different today than it did in January. You Yours does, by the way. Wait, I have to interrupt here and congratulate you because <laughs> some some of our listeners, if they don't follow you on Instagram, where you've definitely posted about it, which we love, we love, love, love reading <laughs> about your engagement, which you kept secret. I can't believe you kept a secret for quite some time. But you got engaged and you'll be getting married. Are you getting married in 2019 or 2020? 2019 is the goal. But like, that's a great example of something where I now have this new thing that I didn't have in January. And it brings a lot of urgency to taking action on my money in a way I didn't have before. And so like, we all have these kinds of moments that happen throughout the year. So maybe for you, it's you've decided you want to start a business or you want to leave your job or you want to buy a house or you are expecting a child or you're getting married, whatever it is. Well, you might now have more motivation than you did in January. And you can use that opportunity to bring renewed energy to your savings goals and then bring that energy in and, and break those goals down, make them specific, create a plan of action. And I know it's it's not the first of January when we usually do those things, but there's no better day than today to start making those changes and to start saving up for those goals, especially when you have that renewed energy brought about by these life changes. So yeah, for me, <laughs> my wedding is a big savings goal. Maybe more importantly, my honeymoon is a big savings goal. So that's one of the reasons I kind of had this renewed energy at the end of the year and was posting on Instagram like, all right, here we go. I got, I got like 90 days. <laughs> What can I get done? So what is the top thing you would recommend end of year for a pre-New Year's resolution that just is more effective, kind of along the lines of the corporate benefits and those kind of things? What are the things that people really almost need to do as pre-New Year's resolutions versus waiting till January? Where It's actually more important now to not wait. Yeah. I mean, there are a number of things, and obviously a lot of these things you can do throughout the year, but these are things I would say are probably better to do now so that come January, you can focus fully on what's ahead. So this is an opportunity to kind of wrap up loose ends, like maximizing your corporate benefits. So this might be something like, well, can I max out my 401k contributions? If you're older, are there required minimum distributions 
that you need to take out of your retirement account by the end of the year to avoid penalties, for example. This is an opportunity to think about your giving and any tax-deductible charitable contributions that you might want to make before the end of the year. Um, You might want to think about your tax planning, and that's something where you can use the expertise of your CPA or your accountant to see if there's anything that maybe you overlooked um, and maybe you want to finish and get in before the January 1st deadline so that come April you have a better time maximizing your tax return. Maybe you want to update your beneficiaries. Maybe you want to revisit your life insurance coverage and your automobile insurance coverage. Maybe it's a good time to check your credit reports. So these are all just examples of ways that um, we can do some end of the year housekeeping and optimization. And some of these things, yeah, they do have harder deadlines around the end of the year than say other times of year. Great ideas. I want to keep you here because we're going to take a listener question. This one is from Ryan Lerman. He sent it to us via DM on Twitter. All right. Ryan asks, you ready, Stephanie? What if I have a big purchase coming up and I want to get a lower interest rate on my credit card account? What do you think? Yeah. So getting the lower interest rate on the credit card account. First of all, I would do your homework. You can shop around and see what kind of rates are being offered by competing credit card companies. And then you you can use that information as negotiation leverage with your credit card company. So most people don't realize, you know, you have negotiating power with everything, credit card company included, especially if you're a customer for many years, I would start with your oldest cards first and call up your credit card company and say, you know, I have been a loyal member since X, Y, and Z. If you have a good credit history, if you have a history of on-time payments, you can use that as leverage. You can use your competitor's rates as leverage. And then you can simply call and ask for that lower rate and say, listen, you know, I have a bigger purchase coming up. I anticipate I might need to carry a balance for some time, and I would like to see if there's a way I can negotiate my rate down at the moment. Now, if at first you don't succeed, it's okay to be persistent. You can ask to speak with a manager. You want to eventually get connected with a representative who's going to be willing to work with you. And that might mean, you know, again, escalating the situation, or it might mean calling back another day until you find that representative who's more flexible. Now, if you are not able to find the representative who is more flexible, at that point, you might, might want to consider something like a balance transfer to get a lower rate. But there are things to consider with balance transfers like balance transfer fees, annual fees, and any other fine print that might be attached. I think those are great suggestions. And especially, I think, Stephanie, you make such a great point about the importance of a human interaction. Because While there's a lot happening with machine learning and all that, at the end of the day, if you can connect with a human being who's going to understand your value to that credit card company, your history with them, look at your credit score and also look at you as a human being and understand that there's a reason why you're carrying a balance, then you're going to probably get a better result. The other additional thing that you can do, and this is a little bit controversial, so I may get some pushback on this, but whatever retailer you are going to purchase that large item from, 
you may want to find out if they themselves want to finance it. Sometimes places will offer it for zero interest payments if you pay it back within, let's say, 18 months. And so you could do that. And you could also go to your credit card company with that information and say, look, I would like to keep it simple and easy and finance this with you. What can you do? But if not, and if you're confident that you can either pay the whole thing off or live with whatever rate they're going to bump you up to, because they will bump you up at the end of that term, maybe you do consider financing it through the retailer. So, Yeah, no, I just love that point. You know, you, you bring up this idea of contacting the retailer and seeing if they can provide financing. And then even if you don't do that, again, that's another point of leverage when you do go through that negotiation process with your credit card company. Exactly. All right. Before we wrap up, I want you to just share with everyone, you have many facets to your business. I love your social media, but my favorite part these days is YouTube, where, by the way, you were actually recently nominated for an award, um, I think for best, Plutus Award for best video channel. Is that it? That's right. It's a little crazy to me, but it's exciting. <laughs> and I love my my personal favorite part, by the way, is your unpolished series. But there's a lot of other stuff happening on Stephanie's YouTube channel. Yeah. So Bobby was actually with me in the studio earlier today filming some videos for a brand new series. So if you can come on over to YouTube uh, at Stephanie O'Connell and subscribe, you can see those videos when they go live. And your other socials are awesome and often very entertaining, but also educational. I try to keep it real as much as I can. Educational, but also, you know, the not so pretty reality of, you know, managing my money in New York City and all of the things that we're working through here. So that's at Stephanie O'Connell on Instagram and Twitter and Facebook and all your usual, the usual suspects. All right. And to all of my listeners, Definitely keep the questions coming. We're going to do more episodes with incredible guest hosts like Stephanie. So if you want to send in your questions, you can DM them to me on Instagram at BobbyRebel1, on Twitter at BobbyRebel. And of course, you can also email them in at hello at financialgrownup.com. And thank you, Stephanie, for being here with our first listener Q&A and for helping us all get one step closer to being financial grownups. Thanks, Bobby. Financial Grown Up with Bobby Rebel is edited and produced by Steve Stewart and is a BRK Media production.